feel like I'm up here a lot earlier than I thought I was going to be in this service. And that's remarkable considering that the last time I spoke, I got through my 23-minute sermon at home in nine minutes here. So I promise, though, if you were here the last time, my goal today is just to slow down and not rush through it. Okay. I am reading from Luke 24, starting at verse 13, all the way through 35. It's kind of a long passage. I forget what page it's on, but it's in your bulletin if you're using the the few Bibles. It's around 1,050, I think. Um, Yeah, so it's a long passage, so get a snack if you need it. Here we go. That very day, two of them were going to a village named Emmaus, about seven miles from Jerusalem. And they were talking with each other about all these things that had happened. While they were talking and discussing together, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But their eyes were kept from recognizing him. And he said to them, what is this conversation that you're holding with each other as you walk? And they stood still, looking sad. Then one of them, named Cleopas, answered him, Are you the only visitor to Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? And he, Jesus, said to them, What things? And they said to him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, a man who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people. And how our chief priests and rulers delivered him up to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Yes, and besides all this, it is now the third day since these things happened. Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. They were at the tomb early in the morning, and when they did not find his body, they came back saying that they had even seen a vision of angels who said that he was alive. Some of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. And he, Jesus, said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken, Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? And beginning with Moses and all the prophets, he interpreted to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. So they drew near to the village to which they were going. He acted as if he were going farther, but they urged him strongly, saying, Stay with us, for it is toward evening, and the day is now far spent. So he went in to stay with them. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened. And they recognized him. And he vanished from their sight. They said to each other, did not our hearts burn within us while he talked to us on the road, while he opened to us the scriptures? And they rose that same hour and returned to Jerusalem. And they found the eleven and those who were with them gathered together, saying, 
the Lord has risen indeed and has appeared to Simon. Then they told what had happened on the road and how he was known to them in the breaking of the bread. When our family gets together, we like to work jigsaw puzzles. And we all have different approaches to the puzzle. Our daughter-in-law, Megan, looks for shapes. First and foremost, she is able to focus on a shape that she is looking for to fit into an area. Tyler, our son-in-law, focuses on color and has the amazing ability to distinguish between 20 variations of the same color. Caitlin and I always start with the border. We feel compelled to set boundaries for where we're going. Andy, our son, works on it some at the beginning and then he denies this, but we think that he slips a piece into his pocket so that when everybody else has done all the work, he comes back and puts the finishing touch on the project. Some of us, like me, refer often to the box where the picture is of what the puzzle is supposed to look like. Some never look at that at all. They just build it as they go. The two people who were walking to Emmaus had a puzzle to solve, and they were perplexed. The scripture starts out, the scripture reading from today starts out saying, that very day, two of them. When we look back at the previous section that Pastor Dan talked about last week, we see that it is still Resurrection Day. It is still the original Easter. We see that these two people are part of them, the disciples. And we're going to look at that a little bit more as we go along. But they, they knew Jesus, and Jesus knew them. They weren't part of, his, of the inner 12, but they were part of the group that followed Jesus closely. Cleopas and an unnamed person um, maybe it was a friend, maybe a roommate, perhaps Mrs. Cleopas. That's what I think. So if I refer to this other person as Mrs. Cleopas, we're just going to go with it. Um, but they are walking to Emmaus, which we find out later in the reading is home for them. As they walk, they're rehashing everything that happened during the previous days in Jerusalem. And there was a lot to talk about. From Jesus's triumphal entry to the women seeing angels who said Jesus was alive. It was a bit like working a jigsaw puzzle. Some pieces were in place, some didn't quite seem to fit, and others honestly just seemed to be missing. And at this point, the box with the picture on it is gone. They don't know what it's supposed to look like. They're dealing with their personal feelings about Jesus, their friend. 
a jumble of confused facts and reports and their preconceived ideas of Messiah. But even as they talk, take note they're heading home, back to work, back to life as it used to be. Jesus comes alongside them, but they don't recognize him. In fact, scripture says they were kept from recognizing him. We know it's Jesus because Luke tells us that and because we have celebrated many Easter's and for many of us, resurrection is just sort of an assumed thing about Jesus. We've heard it all our lives, but they are not reading or even hearing the story, they're living it. Jesus is in his resurrected body, a body like we who follow him will eventually have. Um, the fact they didn't recognize him is not unique. In John 20, Mary sees Jesus near the tomb and doesn't recognize him. In fact, she mistakes him for the gardener. He may have looked different. He may have chosen to look different. He may have closed their eyes of recognition. And let's not forget, neither Mary nor the two on the road to Emmaus were expecting to see him. He died and he was buried. And as theologian N.T. Wright said, the general belief in that day, as in ours, is that dead people stay dead. So Jesus comes along, walks with them for a bit, hearing part of the discussion, and then he asks what they're talking about. At this point, the two completely stop, look sad, according to Luke. I think they look even more perplexed, honestly. And Cleopas, I think Cleopas has to give him a stunned look when he asks, are you the only one in Jerusalem who does not know the things that have happened there in these days? Basically, he's asking, have you been living under a rock? What happened in Jerusalem the previous week was known to everyone, even without social media. It was not some quiet events known to a few people, Jesus was heard, and he was seen, and he was known in those days. I totally numbered my pages wrong. Hold on. But Jesus responds, what things? I just think this is a fascinating conversation. Um, I, I, and honestly, I think there's a whole separate message here about prayer, about how Jesus knows what we, all we think and all we feel, um, but he still wants us to articulate it to him. That's not my message, but I think it's worth thinking about. So the two walking, Mr. and Mrs. Cleopas, 
answer his question and tell him about him. Interesting. Have you ever had anyone tell you about you not knowing you were you? I don't think I have. Um, but how fascinating that would be. Maybe they tell him about the whole week, starting with the parade into Jerusalem. Maybe they touch on the building tension between Jesus and the religious leaders. They definitely, according to Luke, tell what a good teacher Jesus was, but that the religious leaders condemned him to death and crucified him. And then they say in verse 21, but we had hoped that he was the one to redeem Israel. Let's not miss that key sentence. They're pretty much giving facts and details of the week. But that verse shows their perception of the events. Prior to the crucifixion, their expectations for Jesus were high. Messiah, Redeemer, Hosanna. Could it finally be that Israel would be out from under the thumb of Rome? Yes, yes, they believed. Or rather, they had believed. They had hoped. But maybe not anymore. Their hope had bottomed out. In fact, in their minds, when we read the scripture, Jesus takes a step down. Where they had once looked to him as the prophesied Messiah and placed their hope in him, they now label him as one who prophesied the still yet to come Messiah. He went from redeemer to prophet. I wonder how Jesus felt hearing their misunderstandings. I've sometimes heard my kids talk about something in their childhood or talk about probably a rule I put in place. And I hear their perspective on it and it's, it's not how I remember the event. Was Jesus sad? Was he disappointed? He doesn't interrupt. So they continue their story, telling about the women finding the angels who said Jesus was alive and some of the men, probably Peter and John, finding the empty tomb but not seeing Jesus. And notice how they refer to these people. In verse 22, they say, Moreover, some women of our company amazed us. And verse 24 says, Some of those who were with us went to the tomb. They were there. They were there when the women came back and said 
that the angels said that Jesus was alive. They were there when Peter and John got up and left and ran to the tomb. When they finish talking, Jesus responds, probably slowly, but firmly. Look at verse 25. And he said to them, O foolish ones, and slow of heart to believe all that the prophets have spoken. Was it not necessary that the Christ should suffer these things and enter into his glory? When Jesus says, O foolish ones, he's saying, oh man, you lack understanding. You're lacking discernment. He's not saying, and I think this is a clear, a good point to make because my mama always said we could not call anybody a fool. I don't know if any of you guys had that teaching. But it was based on the Bible, that her teaching was. And I just want to point out that in the Greek, he is not saying, oh, you morons, which is the version that he uses in the Sermon on the Mount when he is teaching not to call anyone a fool. Here he's just acknowledging um, a lack of understanding, much like Proverbs does in talking about foolish and folly. He had listened to them tell him about himself, and now he tells them about himself. Covering what the Old Testament said about him, he corrects their thinking. He is not a prophet foretelling the Messiah. No, he is the Christ the prophets foretold, the full and complete Christ. One commentator wrote that in this particular teaching that Jesus gave to them, Jesus drew an unmistakable likeness to himself as he had lived, taught, and suffered, and as he was now the risen Lord. Though these two on the road to Emmaus had never seen it before, this picture is as clearly drawn in the Old Testament as is the picture of the Messianic King. I really need to remember these. See, these two expected Messianic King, the Redeemer of Israel, they did not understand or expect the living, the teaching, the suffering servant. Near their home in Emmaus, it seems like he's going to keep walking. He's not deceiving them. Um, had they not invited him to their home, he would have continued his journey. Then, as now, he doesn't force himself. He met them on the road, right where they were, physically and spiritually, but he gave them space to either invite him further into their lives or to keep the relationship just as it was. And they invite him to stay. 
They say it's getting late in the day. But even more, I don't think they wanted this conversation to end. Hope is beginning to rise. Pieces of the puzzle that looked oddly shaped before are starting to fit, and they're finding some new pieces. And he accepts their invitation. Um, I don't have my verse written down, but verse 30. When he was at table with them, he took the bread and blessed and broke it and gave it to them. And their eyes were opened and they recognized him. These two from Emmaus were willing to share their bread with a stranger who, as Messiah, Christ, and Savior, was willing and able to share the bread of life with them. And their eyes were opened, and they recognized him. The puzzle's finished. Not a single piece is missing. Hope is fully restored. The picture is clear, and it's more complete and beautiful than they had ever imagined. And he vanished from their sight. That's just weird. Can we just say that's weird? Their puzzle is complete. They recognize and understand, but he's gone. I looked up vanished in the Greek to see if there was some hidden meaning here. It means vanished. <laughs> That's what it means. For the life of me, I cannot figure out why there is not a paragraph break after that sentence. They needed time to look under the table. I don't know. Like, stare at each other a few times wide-eyed. What just happened here? And how ironic and how like Jesus that when they finally understand and recognize, he does something completely unexplainable. Once they regain their composure, that's not in scripture, but I strongly feel like they needed to regain, regain their composure, they look at each other and agree that their hearts burned within them while he talked with them on the road, using scripture to explain himself to them. They were moved by him even before they recognized or understood him. And immediately, they head back to Jerusalem. Forget that it's night. Forget that it's not always safe to travel on some of those semi-wilderness roads at night. No, they needed to be with the other followers to let them know they spent time with Jesus, with resurrected Jesus. The two confused, pessimistic, sad people who made the slow journey from Jerusalem to Emmaus now hightail it back to Jerusalem. And when they meet up with the others, someone in the room immediately yells to them, it's true, Jesus is risen. He appeared to Simon. 
And the two from Emmaus say, yes. Remember last week at Passover when he changed up the whole bread and wine thing? Well, he did that at our house. And that's when we recognized and understood him. Simon, Mary, and the two on the road to Emmaus, they all put their hope in Jesus. But things didn't go as expected. Each of them resigned themselves to the reality, the reality of the crucifixion, and concluded Jesus wasn't who they thought he was, even though they loved him. But in each case, Jesus met them where they were, physically and spiritually, and the risen Christ changed lives. So in preparing this, I had to ask myself, where am I? Where are you? Jesus wants to meet us right where we are. He already knows our stories. He knows our expectations. He knows where they don't line up. He would still love to hear our stories in our own words. Are you embarrassed by yours? Sometimes when I look back, all I think of are the bad decisions and the regrets. Earlier in his ministry, Jesus cast seven demons out of Mary, who mistook him for the gardener, but then had an encounter with the risen Christ. She could have remained known as that woman with seven demons. Simon denied Jesus three times after saying he would die for Jesus. And the two on the road to Emmaus, they initially thought Jesus was a conquering war hero. But confused by his death, they threw in the towel and went home. And Jesus pursued each one of them. And he pursues us, each one of us. We may not have everything figured out about him. Spoiler alert, we won't. And yet he still invites us into what one pastor calls the unshakable kingdom of God. Is your view of Jesus one messed up puzzle? Or is resurrected Jesus your living hope? When things don't go as expected, does your hope fade? Or is it strong because you realize that resurrected Jesus breathes life into us? We don't have to live simply with the knowledge of the resurrection we can live in the power of the resurrection. And that's the invitation Jesus gives right now, right where you are. If Jesus is our living hope, 
Our hope is unshakable, not because of how we feel, but because of the unwavering steadfastness of resurrected Jesus himself. Thank you.